Life is good with the Cat Team Brotherhood, and why is that? That's because you decided to join us here on today's episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast, and I am so happy you decided to do so, and I I see some of you are wearing your winter coats, and I mean, I guess it is that time of year, and I mean, go ahead, why not? Make yourself cozy, make sure that you're nice and warm as we are joined today by my guest, Rhea May. But we're going to go ahead and get into a small introduction to Rhea here very soon. But before we do that, there's a few things I want to go ahead and do first. And of course, those are. First and foremost, I want to thank those of you who checked out last week's show with the person who's actually opening for Rhea May on her Cross Canada Stars Tour. And that, of course, is Matthew V. Had a great conversation with Matthew V. And I'm very thankful for those of you who sent your feedback for that episode. If you happen to miss it, what are you waiting for? Go and check it out. I also want to go ahead and mention that today's episode is brought to you by ILoveDTP.com. Why is that? That's because ILoveDTP.com is the place where you are going to get yourself the latest and greatest in Desert Tiger Podcast merchandise so you can wrap the show everywhere you go, in front of your friends, in front of your family, and even in front of your enemies because they can't stop you from chasing you beautiful dreams all right everybody stars don't shine bright right away it's a process of stellar evolution it's a magical dance of energy and momentum that leads to something wonderful Rhea may didn't exactly let her voice shine at an early age but now the once shy singer well well actually Let's change things up a little bit from the norm here on the DTP, and let's let our on-field the uh, reporter here take over. So, Colton, go ahead and take things over here and introduce our guest, Rhea May. The Desert Tiger Podcast. Hello, hello, DTP fam. We're here with Rhea May, who's currently in the middle of her Stars Tour, which is pretty nicely named as Rhea has been putting herself into orbit for quite a while now and she's she knows that she can burn a lot brighter though and she's reaching <laughs> she's reaching out there for those stars and tonight we find her in Kamloops, British Columbia. Hello. Thanks for joining the Desert Tiger podcast, Ria. Thank you for having me. All right. So, like with all journeys before you can reach the stars tour here, everything mm-hmm. has to start out somewhere mm-hmm. and from what I can find, mm-hmm. you weren't not really as comfortable with performing in front of people in front of stages is everything else i mean tonight we're in front of a 400 person venue the last time you were in kamloops there was a sold out show so where does the love of music for ria may start and when does she start writing her own music Hmm. well i've always loved music like both my parents always had music in the house and like you know my mom was always dancing around and very performative and I just always loved music but I was sort of like the shy kid out of I have two siblings and I think people would have guessed that one of my siblings would have been a performer and not myself but um yeah I started writing at a a very young age but I I didn't tell anybody for a year I think six seven years I didn't tell anyone in my family that I was writing music I don't know why I'm just very private and um but the last yeah, I had stage fright, which sort of kept me from getting my start for a while. And then once I sort of jumped off, I just forced myself to keep facing my fears and my awkwardness and to keep going with it. And 
yeah, I'm super grateful, you know, to be doing a tour like this. And I do have those little memories in my head of like, good thing I pushed myself because I mm. was painfully shy and I still can be, but I'm, I'm really glad that I kind of pushed through that because there is something better on the other side of that. Okay. So was starting out with writing your own music, was that just sort of something as like a therapy to help you with your shyness? Was that something to tr possibly try and push yourself? Yeah, I think maybe because I was so shy, I sort of had this like imaginary little world in my head where I wasn't where I was cool and I had a lot of you know friends or something I don't know <laughs> I did have a big imaginary life and I think writing music was often you know I would always imagine I'd have a manager being like the song's pretty good but it could be better and I'm like all right I'll work on it tonight and then you know imagining that I was playing to like theaters full of people and and things like that so yeah it's probably exactly it of being so shy forces you to have this kind of inside world with yourself Okay, so what was that first moment like where you actually brought out some of your music? Did you, like, was it just telling your parents that you had, like, written music? Was it actually coming mm -hmm. out and playing a song for them? What was that like? It, it was, you know, I went to this, uh, like, I think it's called a rock camp. I'm, I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and in the summers, you know, my parents were trying to get me out of the house, so they put me in this, like, guitar sort of camp for a week, and one I come from a very musical family and one of my mom's brothers was you know is a songwriter in Nashville and had a bit of success and one of the counselors at this camp learned that I was part of this family and he said I know you write music and mm -hmm. I was like no I hadn't told anybody and he's like I know you write music if you're from the trainer family and I so I secretly showed him my demos he sort of tricked me into playing one of my songs at the final concert for the families and that's how my family found out that oh. I wrote music wow yeah so he just sort of had a feeling and from there just pushed yeah he had a gut feeling I'm so glad that he pushed me because I don't know if I would have done that on my own well sometimes you just need those helping voices to realize and help guide you along totally. so from that rock and roll camp to <laughs> self-financing your first releases mm -hmm. and everything like that, that's yeah. a really big step to take the moment from, okay, I can write some music to, I actually want to pursue this as a career. So what is that yeah. decision like for you? Um, it wasn't easy. I, yeah, I was working many jobs in Halifax and recording music and it takes a long, you know, I think it was like a thousand bucks to record a track. So, which is like, it's not easy to save up an extra thousand other than your personal expenses. So I was doing song for song and I, I made a decision. I had about four or five songs um, from that self-titled album done. One of them was called Close Off. And I made a decision instead of finishing my album to put all the money on radio promo for Close Off. I just mm -hmm. had a feeling it would do well. And it was a lot of luck like I tell people not even to do that same kind of risky thing that I did because it was really risky but it worked out for me someone from Sony heard that song on the radio on like an alternative station and then they were able to help me get it on pop radio oh wow so it was a series of sort of little lucky things but um yeah I mean it's really it can be a really expensive business and you know I see artists spend too much money in the wrong places and then it just crushes them you know they have debt and they have no success maybe just kind of one side of the sad story and then there's another side of people who don't take any risks at all because they're like oh it might not work and you know both you want to be somewhere in the middle and that's where i tried to be for, for in that situation well especially when you're the one who's in charge of everything and you may not necessarily have the most wide knowledge of the music industry exactly. it's hard to decide which avenue to invest in especially when yeah. every dollar counts exactly and that and yeah and at that stage it's just kind of going on your gut feeling 
and you know sometimes it's wrong i've definitely had a lot of like feelings that were wrong and luckily that one was not one of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so close off was done by classified correct another uh maritimer yes so how does that connection end up coming about well, for me, and I think it, like classified in, if you grow up in Halifax, he's like the guy that made it, you know? So everyone has this, I think he has a key to the city. He has like, you know, when they give the mayors, give people keys to the city and things like that. He is just our big famous success story. And so as soon as I felt like I got to a place with my own songwriting that was good enough, I really wanted to show him. I've been thinking about it for like two years. Like, I mm-hmm. hope I can get to a place where I can send him something. And um, when I finally got to that place, I sent him a few songs and Close Off was one of the like little ideas that I had. I kind of made it on GarageBand and it sounded pretty shitty, but, you know, similar sort mm-hmm. of layout and idea. And he invited me to his place and I was super nervous. Like pulling up, I was like sick to my stomach because I just wanted to make a good impression. And it turned into just a great working relationship. We worked for about a year to finish that, that um, self-titled album. Before Close Off and that, the music you had sort of been releasing had been more of a singer-songwriter style. You were still definitely a pop artist in ways, Mm -hmm. but it definitely more of like a guitar and classical way. So was that part of the fear in going to Classified was in taking on that new sound behind you? And what was the decision Mm. to embrace that new sound? Hmm, that's interesting question. You know what? I feel like the music I was making before classified, it was, it never quite felt like me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I knew that he could bring a sound to my songs that felt more like me, if that makes sense. And I think the nerves came from, I was like, I hope sending classified these demos that he sees what I see, but you know, no one else, no one can read my like the the vision I had for myself which people can sort of see now because I'm releasing music at you know in a way that I that feels like me but at the time it's just in your head and you have no way to get it out there so I just hoped that he saw what I did and I think that was the important part I, I sat with other producers and some people thought I was oh I should be like adult contemporary or some people thought I was folk or bluesy and he was like no I get it you like pop music but you love hip hop music in the back of that and yeah, like he just, I felt like I, I felt very seen by him. And I think that's why it worked. Okay. And definitely, possibly that hip hop element maybe also helped add to that bond you had with him. Yeah, totally. And and I just loved every single song that he put out. I, so I had a lot of references. I'd be like, oh, you know, when you did this thing, like that'd be so cool for this. And a lot of the work that he had done with David Miles, who was like um, kind of like a singer songwriter folk artist from, from in the Maritimes. I had just, yeah, I I knew everything that Classified had touched or worked on, and I think it put us in a good place to really effectively communicate what we were both wanting out of this album. Oh, so you were already well-versed in his catalog and already sort of had an idea in what you had hoped he might be able to possibly do for it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, obviously, like you said, sometimes people have different visions for it, and sometimes they can add different things. So what did Classify add to your production and songwriting abilities that maybe you didn't realize you were capable of doing before he pushed he was such like a a muse for me like i wanted to impress him so much and he would push me he was he'd be very good at saying like i don't think this is good enough or he'd be like is this your chorus and i'm like yeah he's like i don't think i think you need to work on it so he would never sort of put words in my mouth he's um i think he really respects lyrics as a rapper so you know he didn't 
help with any of the lyrics, but he for sure told me when something was not strong enough, when it wasn't working. Before him, if you listen to any of my music before that album, I never had like post choruses or hooks after a chorus. He really pushed me to do that. Like um, uh, we did a song called Ooh Love and there's the part that after the chorus, it goes, you're gonna miss me in the morning. He was like, that was out of tune, but he was like um, pushing. He was like, it needs something. I don't know what it is. And I must've written like a thousand little pieces after that chorus. And finally, mm -hmm. when I did that one, he's like, that's the one. So like that helped mm -hmm. me immensely just to not, to not give up on a song when it wasn't quite there. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy how just those little pieces to a song can just add so much and just like the right, finding the right words to help express totally. the moment of what you're coming out of too. And just to help continue to make the lyrics just hit that much more. Totally. And he's someone who kind of, it's he, he has like a magnifying glass on every bar or every, you know, He's not, he doesn't put anything out unless he's happy with every single second of a song. And that really helped my, I guess, work ethic and just, just helped the respect that I had for him as an artist. So he didn't really try and put his hands into things too much, but he definitely tried to help nurture and help grow yeah. what you already had naturally within you. Exactly. And I, it's such a gift. Like I, I'm so thankful to, for him for doing that. And just on the business side too, he just really kind of took me under his wing and was making sure that, you know, everyone in his circle, you know, knew what we were working on. And he was, I think I ended up taking his booking agent. Like he was just trying to help me because I had, I had no one in my, mm -hmm. in my corner except for him at that time. Okay. So from that moment in releasing that first single from being in control of everything, a, mm -hmm. you signed with Sony, yeah. which is a major label. They already yeah. have so many different things in place. And as yeah. someone who, Let's face it, like music is your child mm -hmm. and is someone who has been in control of every aspect of their music up until the moment that they sign with that major label. What was it like to sign with that label for you? What were they able to assist you with? And were you a little reluctant in some of the aspects that they were trying to help you? Hmm, yeah, you know, I would I definitely wasn't reluctant because to me, it felt like that my goal forever was to just be on radio. I never thought I would be on a major label, but I just had this like, it's all I could think about for like my entire childhood. I had one goal, get on radio. I didn't even know if it was get on radio once, get on radio for a month. Like I didn't even have, I just was on radio. That's all I wanted. And so the biggest thing when Sony called, Classified used to be on Sony. And he said, I have to tell you, they're the best label for artists because they don't try to they, they're not involved in your in the art part they just are involved in the marketing mm -hmm. and so that in that way i was like, okay i still have control over me but they were really instrumental at putting me on pop radio whereas i was only on kind of like college radio and alternative before that cbc i'd never been on the big commercial radio until then and um i think i signed with them around christmas 2000 15 and by the summer of 2016 we were like in the top five or something oh wow so they really you know followed through with what i had hoped they would do so definitely so close off had already hidden radio within some aspects but sony just was able to put it on that extra platforms that allowed you to elevate yourself Exactly. Yeah. So I had it on just like alternative stations, which are a bit easier to get on as an independent artist, whereas the pop ones are quite difficult. Um, sadly, they're just a lot harder to get on without a label. 
Well, and that's they're already working with so many different labels, and as an independent artist, they ha- already have so many networks and everything else, and is it's difficult to say, but it is a music business, and yes. sometimes people like to go with who they already have relationships with totally. or trust, and sometimes having that extra connection in between can definitely help. Totally, and that's I mean. And that's what it was. Me coming from Halifax and having no connections in the, mm-hmm. you know, really in the industry nationally and internationally, they just provided me with the right tools, you know, meeting producer, other producers and, and videographers and just, you know, I have a whole team of people now that I, like collaborators that I wouldn't have met if it wasn't for their mm-hmm. bigger network. So, yeah, for some artists, I know like big labels can be scary and I everyone's heard of those stories where people get like screwed over by them, but... I think I've been pretty lucky so far. And I think a lot of that had to do with classified being like, you know, make sure you don't give them all your rights or make sure you do, you know, he really kind of guided me in that process with them. It it is challenging. Like I do like the business part of it, but it is, there's definitely days and meetings and situations that I find challenging with a label. But I mean, it's, you know, not everything can be perfect every day is how Mm -hmm. I look at it. So the, the positives outweigh the negatives for me. Okay. So classified really took you under his wing then. Yeah, and I still, I mean, he's still in my life as someone when I just don't know what to do. Sometimes I'll ask him, like, what do you do, mm-hmm. you know? what Does your business manager do this? Or, like, does your manager, you know, just, like, little questions that it's hard to find the answer unless it's from another artist who's kind of been through it already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's always nice to have that other view on things, too, that can help see things and help see your progression and just say, have that other opinion and say, like, hey, yeah. it's really nice to see the way you're doing. And, like, hey, I just want to make sure that they're, properly yeah. making sure that you're getting the attention that these things that you're doing deserve and exactly and then it's just like i know that he's not benefiting he's um it's like an unbiased view from him you know whereas like if the label says oh i think you should do this i'm like well is that benefiting mm-hmm. me or you but yeah with classified it's just someone who's just looking out for me so it's pretty nice okay cool yeah. so me I'm a Western Canadian artist and I've toured Western Canada and okay. like had aspirations of going east but New Brunswick is like even further east. So I'm mm. curious as a New Brunswick artist, how difficult mm. was it to get out of that area of Canada and get touring? Because even like what is considered the east coast of Canada, Montreal and Ontario yeah, is still like, quite a distance like away from us. you. Yeah. Yeah. So my family's from New Brunswick. I'm actually, I was actually Nova Scotian based since I started being an artist, mm-hmm. but they're both far. You're right. And it is the the distance from us to Toronto is huge and there's so there's positive and negative the positive is that we have this beautiful music culture um you know we can really trace a lot of the um you know the first sort of like waves of immigration of um Irish and Scottish settlers we still have their music everyone that grows up there still knows all those songs the Celtic music and all this um, but we're so disconnected from the rest of Canada that a lot of artists just don't get to break out and that's another thing for me. I, you know, I, I didn't move until I had to with my record label. So I'm, I'm grateful for that experience. I live in Toronto now. I'm, I'm always going to go back home, but yeah, the, the distance from Toronto in, in Canada, the distance from Toronto is very important. You know, you shouldn't, it's hard to live too far from Toronto. It's just, it's like the LA of Mm-hmm. of the united states well so many opportunities generate themselves out of there and yeah. really the only other hub that is considered anything is vancouver and yeah. that's so far away yeah. that it's 
you pretty much have to pick one or the other and yeah. toronto just naturally seems to be the better selection for most artists yeah depending on i guess the genre of music it's yeah seems that way where, mm-hmm. where what province are you from um originally saskatchewan oh nice yeah nice. so i'm a prairie boy cool. <laughs> like people from saskatchewan remind me of people from back home like from it's like nice people mm-hmm. yeah. very, very small quaint <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome very small town orientated yeah so cool. you have a lot of pride not only through like just music and mm-hmm. just social media of yeah. your home is that part of the fact that you've moved away from it or is that just the culture mm-hmm. that you were raised in you know I, it, I probably am a bit more kind of flying the flag of Halifax now that I've left because mm-hmm. I miss it so much but it is in our culture we have a, a hilarious amount of pride that I think some people in other cities might not have um, I don't know why that is. I'm staring at my tour manager, who's also sort of from Halifax. No, I don't know why that is. Discussion. But often I'll be in Toronto at a party, and it'll be like eight people from Halifax being like, "Don't you love this street? It reminds us of Halifax, like everything." And then people are like, "Why don't you just move back already, dummies?" Um, <laughs> but I don't know. There's just it's a very unique way of of life there. It's it's just a different culture, and and. Um, yeah, it's a, like Halifax is a city, but it just feels like you grew up in a nice, tiny little town. And you have, you know, everyone kind of grows up having a huge network and a bunch of friends and everywhere else can seem a bit lonely, I think, after that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just it's in our hearts as like the Mecca. So even though it's still a city, <laughs> it's one of those places that you still find yourself waving at everybody and oh, yeah. still almost know everyone. And then once you get to somewhere like Toronto and absolutely nobody has that culture or association and be like why are you waving at me while you're driving yeah exactly (laughs) yeah we're always the weird ones in toronto like trying to talk to people (laughs) you're crazy (gasps) trying to make small talk and they're like what no no you're supposed to avoid me exactly (laughs) yeah avoid eye contact okay so your first album was entirely produced by classified and you said it took over a year to do so yes was that because classified was taking off as an artist or was that yeah also because of major labels also like plan very far ahead so was that also falling into a release Um, schedule no so most of the work on that album was done um before labels even came into play the the reason it took so long was two reasons one i was paying um by the song so i had to pay class before we did every song which is you know makes sense so I had to save up the money, but also Inner Ninja, his big hit Inner Ninja uh, broke out that year. So we had about three songs done and then he had to hit the road for like six months. So it was a, yeah, it was a combination of those two things. Oh, so you basically had to wait for him to come back from his own tours yeah. and everything else. Yeah. And plus he has, you know, three kids and he has to fit in family time. And- <laughs> So going from that first album where it's made by Classified and you've already built a reputation with him and everything else onto going into My Love where it's produced by Adam King, Mm -hmm. what was it like to finally um, do an entire album with Sony and doing it with somebody else? Interesting question. Um... It's weird. Yeah. So I did the My Love. Yeah, you're right. It was a bit different because I, I sort of had to have approval for every song through Sony instead of just me in class. It, that that EP was was pretty painless. 
this is like super behind the scenes, but I I, th- I think I like talking about this stuff. But like the next EP, the Stars EP, which is the tour I'm on now, was a bit more painful in that way. Mm-hmm. Just for some reason, the songs I wanted and the songs Sony wanted were just more of a struggle. Um, that can be a, a really a really hard part is running running the art through other people and. I mean, it can be good too. Like if, if I think something's brilliant and no one else does, I want to know that, right? Because I'm probably just tied to it because maybe, you know, as a songwriter, I can get tied to something because I think it makes me look cool or yeah. I can get tied to something because it's a personal story and I think I finally told this personal story, but maybe no one else relates to the story. So it is, I, I do enjoy, I do take it seriously if everyone in my life is like, nah, this isn't good or isn't right. Um, but it can make things more difficult. There's definitely, I mean, I can always fight for something I have in the past. I've been like super adamant about a song or a part and I've fought for it. And, um, red light, the song red light was one of those. I had to ask like 50 times to put it out Mm. and I'm glad I did. It's one of my favorites still, but yeah, it's a, it is a little different. You're right. It's definitely different than just being like, I'm going to do an album like this and here it is. No, because when you're producing it yourself and you're paying it for yourself, you like someone can tell you something but you can go well I still like it and this because you can build up this idea in your head that this is an amazing idea and it gets across but everyone hears things their own way and they interpret it their own way so maybe they don't get quite the understanding or the vibe that you're actually trying to get across with it exactly and I guess that's I mean it depends on the genre of music because I do pop music and I I do appreciate I've always been good at you know, like I take people's opinions into consideration, but I, it doesn't necessarily sway my position. But I do like to know if I'm out to lunch because I'm an Aquarius. I'm out to lunch, you know. <laughs> I have five lunches a day. <laughs> I am out to lunch. So I want to know. I, I, w- I want people in my life that I trust to be like, nah, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, Maybe so if I did weird like jazz stuff, I wouldn't listen to anybody, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Very for sure because you want to do what your heart true truly desires yeah whereas like I, I really always feel like my favorite thing is showing people music whether it's mine or someone else's like whether it's the new selena gomez and everyone gets a text from me <laughs> i love <laughs> i just want people to love what they're hearing so if no one loves what i'm doing there's that's then there's no point in me doing it <laughs> well absolutely because that's also part of putting out music is you want people who can connect to it and vibe with it and it helps express who they are and that's yeah. something that your music definitely does have to it as a very powerful message of expressing Mm. who you are no matter who that is Mm. and being true to yourself Mm. yeah thank you is that um a very big part of being a shy individual who took a while to well (laughs) well may some people may say is a late bloomer in some ways 100 percent um yeah i think i'm more like even even like this morning i was like oh i'm getting better at being more vulnerable and expressing myself like I don't I I spent a lot of my life being secretive like you know I spent a lot too like just being like in the closet just like sexuality stuff so Mm -hmm. long too that I think it just all came together as me being very very private where I don't really have anything to hide so I don't know why I'm you know so anyway this year I've been trying to just put myself out there more and I'm hoping next year I'll just keep growing in that way but it's um it's definitely healing for me it's if i feel every year i feel like it's better for me because i'm just showing more of myself and mm-hmm. it feels good to do that like connect with people yeah and unfortunately from various standpoints a lot of those things that you are trying to get out aren't maybe like 10 years ago when you started making music weren't 
is prevalent in society or maybe weren't as acceptable to a lot of people as well. True. That's a good point. Like, yeah, and just the way that time has changed over the last 10 years, it's probably like I'm getting better at expressing and and people are getting more accepting Mm -hmm. and exponentially feeling better. Okay, so allowing who you are to definitely take on part of your image and everything else because Mm -hmm. I've read that you were afraid of portraying that in your music video for gold but in a song you mentioned earlier red light it's something that you also portray again right so did you lose that fear somewhere in between was this a realization that maybe this shouldn't be something that is considered different and maybe by helping releasing more of these things it will help make it a normal idea in society because it's love yeah it's love yeah (laughs) that's uh yeah that's sort of it like i've always been a bit more brave with my music than in real life you know like for me i've it's kind of kind of like i was saying earlier like the first time i did an open mic i was like i'm never going back to being too shy to do it because I would go to the open mic with my guitar, sit there, and then leave and not play over and over and over. And the finally, when I finally did it, I was like, I can't go back. Because if I go back, I'll never get, you know, on this mm-hmm. side of fear. So I think with my music, I've done that too. Of like, I don't want to hide anything, and I want to just, you know, I, I'm just a bit braver with music and on stage and in what I release than in real life. And I think that's, yeah, it's like selfishly just really nice for my personality to. to mm-hmm like i'm getting dragged along to a better spot with my music well and i'm sure it's also a lot more freeing as an individual to be able to express exactly who you are yeah it's i mean i can't imagine the alternative um yeah it feels great feels awesome (laughs) i'm glad that you can continue to be a strong role model for those and one who probably had very strong role models growing up as well yeah thank you um one of those role models or two of those role models you actually got to work with and touring with and even Mm -hmm. recording with one of the members Mm -hmm. of Tegan and Sarah. That's right. Yeah, Tegan and Sarah were huge role models for me. They were, they sort of made being like, for me, they made like being gay cool. Like a lot of, before that, I would see things in the media that I just felt like, well, that's embarrassing. Like everything's the butt of the joke. Like I don't want to be the butt of the joke. And for me, just seeing them, I was like, oh, they're making this feel cool. Like, oh, I want to be like them. I want to wear chucks and have, like, weird little mullets. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I never wanted a mullet, but um, they, uh, yeah, just ha- that is everything. And that is why, like, the gold video I want it to do. And because you can just see one image or one person that exists that's cool, and it can make your little thing. And it doesn't have to be sexuality. It can be anything. Like, maybe you're like oh, I feel like I have a weird nose. And then you see someone on in Hollywood with your exact same nose and suddenly you're like, I look awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just takes that representation. And yeah, they were huge um, for me in terms of that. I've, I want to tour with them for a long time. I met them backstage at the Much Music Video Awards. And we just met for a couple minutes, had a lot of laughs, and they invited me on their European tour. And it was um, amazing. And I yeah, I somehow roped Tegan into doing a song with me called Broken and she kind of raps on it. I think it's so cool. It's pretty cool. It's cooler than those mullets. (laughs) Most definitely. (laughs) Um, It's, yeah, I I still love it. It's still one of my favorite songs as well and yeah, I'm really thankful for them. They've just been a huge, huge part of me being confident in the way I am. Well, and it really definitely reconfirms your path as well with what you're doing not only as an artist but as an LGBTQ role model, an idol. Yeah, it feels, yeah, I mean, having that sort of stamp of approval from them meant a lot. 
not only getting to tour with Tegan and Sarah, but also getting to collaborate with personal heroes of your own must have been an incredible opportunity. And, of course, I want to know, where do we go from there? And, of course, that is the Stars EP. I want to get into the process of the EP, what it was like for you, and you said it was the one of the most difficult things that you ended up having to write lately, so... I want to know exactly why it was that, and we're going to get into that incredibly soon. Incredibly soon. But of course, we need to take care of a little bit of business before we go ahead and get there. So, there's a few things I want to go ahead and talk about, and you guys already know what it is. First thing is first, that is I love DTP.com. Why is that? That's because I love DTP.com is where you are going to go ahead and get yourself decked up, swagged out geared up, whatever you want to call it, it's where you're going to go ahead and find yourself the latest and greatest in Desert Tiger podcast gear so that you can wrap the show every single place you go in front of, who is it? Your friends. Who is it? Your family. Who is it? Even your enemies because screw those people that are your haters. They can't stop you from chasing your dreams. And you know we are all about chasing dreams here at the DTP. All about shining bright and beautiful like the star you are. Just like Rhea May knows that she can do. You know, we already talked about it earlier. And of course, you know, during these mid rolls, we usually like to play a song. But instead, this time around, I think I want to do something a little bit different. Because I think just playing a song, it just isn't going to do it justice right now. It's just too good. I think I want to give a little bit of a time here, a little bit of a pause, so that you can go and listen to the Stars EP and for yourself, the whole thing. Why not? Why not? Give it a spin. We'll be here when you get back. You can find it. We live in a technological age of streaming services. I'm like pretty sure it's on YouTube. You can find it. Give it a listen. We will be back when you get here. Don't worry. I'll time you. You listened to it twice. Really? I'm impressed. I'm impressed with you. But you know what? I shouldn't be surprised because the Stars EP is just that incredible. And it's so incredible that why don't we just go ahead and find out more about it right now with my guest on today's episode of the Dust Tack Podcast. That, of course, is Rhea May. Let's go! The Desert Tiger Podcast. So you said STARS was a little bit more difficult (laughs) of a process. So let's get into the latest EP here, the one (laughs) that you're touring in support of. Cue my band sound checking the songs from STARS in the background. Exactly. I I think it was just, I was creating it in a year that I was struggling to, like I felt awkward in my body and awkward in my way I dress and awkward and I just didn't know who I was like we all go through that I was just going through that exactly when I made that EP and um, I finally got it to a place I really liked but it was like a huge growth six months of me like fighting with I want that synth not the other one or I want and in a way that's so like (laughs) dumb as I'm saying it out loud like 
small details but like just trying to figure out where i want to go next as an artist and what's important to me and what i have to say and yeah it was, it was just a struggle to be honest like i'm kind of making a nice little story of it right now but it was just a struggle bus you weren't really <laughs> sure what the next step forward was for yourself yeah exactly it's making music has always been really challenging for me and there was elements of this that i felt like were easy i'm like i've done this before i've made music before and some of the songs came super easy like not your type um some of them were just i struggled with them forever it's not me it's you i struggled i was like fighting with the co-writer just like struggles but i got you know just the difference between the my love vp which was came out in like five seconds and then the stars EP, but I love them both the same. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'm just well, a struggle bus. <laughs> sometimes those struggles have to come, and sometimes those add fuel to the fire for yeah. the music as well, though. Yeah, it can't always be easy. And the thing is, I don't love confrontation. So when, you know, it's really, if people have different ideas than me, it, it takes a lot for me to say, like, that's, that's not what I want to do. Like in any other situation, like, if I'm going to lunch with someone and they want to have pizza and I hate pizza, I'll just have pizza. Like, I don't mm-hmm. really care about anything. But with art, I can't let someone pull my ideas away from me. So, yeah, I think it was growth at the end of the day, just like having to really stand up for what I wanted and just have some difficult conversations with people. And, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. <laughs> so the album helped you go through those moments of... Yeah finding exactly what you wanted to step to next now that you had been a platinum artist and everything else and where do you go from there right that's the thing and like i had a goal to be on radio to have a gold record and to tour with tegan and sarah and then i have to make my goals bigger because Mm -hmm. i've never been more depressed than when i came off the tegan and sarah tour because i had been working for like two years to get on that tour and then i was done and i don't i didn't expect it at all i thought i was going to feel like amazing and my friends were going to be asking me about how it was. And I just was like, I remember being in the bathtub in my dad's house and being like, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. Like just cause I, I love the process of trying to get something. And sometimes it just sucks when it's done. Yeah. To go from such a high and then not know what the next hurdle is yeah. that you need to leap over. Yeah. Wow. Cause it's like a, you know, it's a t- every job's tough. Like, I, I mean, there's elements of my job that are a joke and not tough at all, but being on the road is super challenging and you know if you feel like you're just going in a loop and there's no goal you know my goal wasn't to pay my rent anymore my goal wasn't to do this tour wasn't to get on the radio so i really had to figure out like if i was still enjoying everything i guess mm-hmm. i am now like, this is the happiest i've ever been on a tour well i'm really glad to hear that my band's really glad for it too <laughs> <laughs> so what does that bar look like for you now what is the hurdle it's uh, now I'm I'm really focused on I want to be as healthy as I can be. I got in some habits. I've never been um like I've never been to down the road of like alcoholism, but I love wine and it just doesn't love me back. And so I was writing drinking wine and just just would have like a nightcap every night and just feel like like shit the next day. So just trying to be healthy um I want to take this show to the next level like I really want to just you know, I I've the I had to, I felt like I had to play catch up the last few years and be good enough, and now I want to be better. I want to be like I want it to be amazing, and I have the right crew and I have the, an incredible band, so I feel like all these little mini goals are coming back. Where it's just like, I want to I want to be the best possible version of me on stage and at home. 
So truly reaching for the stars now and trying Ooh, to burn as bright as you possibly back. can. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right. I like that. Yeah. I like that very much. So part of bringing forward the best possible stage presence and everything else that you can do is part of the live show and the people that help bring you along with it. Mm-hmm. You tour with a live band and sometimes touring with different individuals and everything else can yeah. be a little bit difficult. So yeah. is there a specific thing that you are looking for in creating your band and what does your band bring to the table oh, for you? And my band brings the table. Yeah. My band builds the table. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the there's two guys in my band right now. They look very similar because they have beautiful long hair and they're both very they're the same height, I think. They kind of look like brothers. Um, but Chris, I met first and I just had a gut feeling. I didn't even know that I thought he played keyboard, apparently he played bass. Like I just hired mm-hmm. him before I even knew his music ability. I loved his energy and his smile and just his kindness. And I don't I still don't know why. I there's no way I could have known how amazing he is. Right, Jen? There's no... Who could have guessed Chris was ama- it's that amazing? I just a hmm. gut feeling. I, I was like, can you play with my band? I literally said, I need a keyboard player. And he went, I don't play keyboard. And I was like, <laughs> you're hired. <laughs> and um, and he found Jeff, my drummer, who also... Uh, you know, one of the things that people compliment us on a lot is our, our visuals and our lighting. And, and Jeff does all this lighting. He's just a genius. Um, so, yeah, no, they... You know touring with them has been a lot easier. They're just, it's very collaborative. It just feels like the three of us create the show, um, which I love. And yeah, we have very, we have three person band and three person crew. It's pretty small, but it's, um, I mean, I'm looking at two people just working right now. They don't ever stop working. I don't, mm-hmm. some people have to be like, work harder. And I have to be like, take a break, <laughs> <laughs> take a coffee break. Um, but I think I just love, I'm really attracted to people that love what they do. And I've always said my only skill is picking good people. I used to be in construction management. Oh. I didn't even know how to hammer a nail, but I knew how. I knew <laughs> who was the best drywaller, and I knew who was the best roofer. I just feel like that's my skill. I'm so pr- I brag all the time. I'm like I have the best crew, best band, because I'm. That's the only thing I'm good at. I you can write a song to, and pick people. <laughs> you know how to put together a good team. Who knows so. how to work, and that also helps with you trying to raise the bar for yourself as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Hopefully, making it yeah fun for everyone to do their best, and they're making it possible for me to do my best. That's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I feel lucky right now. It's 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 a good year and a good good crew. Okay, so one of let's talk about some of the songs. I want to talk about your latest single, and I also want to talk about oh, one yeah. of the songs off of Stars itself. So a yeah. song that you said was very difficult to write. Uh-huh. It's not me. It's you. Is definitely a song of coming to terms and realizing that maybe you weren't the problem with something, yeah. and that maybe you need to accept that maybe you are a good person and everything else so take me a little bit of depth into that one please yeah i mean that song i love playing that song because i can always feel in the audience who like really needed to hear that song but i've definitely struggled like you know in some family relationships and some like dating relationships where i just like i hate confrontation so much that if there's a problem i'll change you know and I just got to the point where it's like, there's no way the problem is me anymore. And, you know, I think we've, I think most people know what that feels like to just feel like, yeah, someone else is saying all these things are wrong with you. And you're finally like, it sounds like you just don't like me, then you need to go away because, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, it, I, after writing that song, I, I don't think I have people like that in my life anymore. 
like it took writing that song i think to really sort of it was like a final f you you know to that feeling of feeling not good enough and um yeah it was hard to write for many reasons like i feel I sometimes songs that are really personal just feel embarrassing mm-hmm. i don't want to release them sometimes but that was one of those songs that everyone at the label and my management were like you have to put it out and it was definitely i trusted them and there was definitely a part of me that was like feels like it's stupid or something mm-hmm. just because it felt so personal well and that's part of it is because when there's feelings involved with it too you don't want like the person who the song might possibly be about to feel like jilted or upset or something else and it's very like difficult waters to walk on in that sort of situation totally and that's um yeah that's the thing and like you can if you focus all your energy on you know what are other people gonna think including who you may have written it about then it's paralyzing like i feel like you i feel like you can't even go down that road or else you'll never release anything Mm-hmm. as long as it's kind like i feel like my lyrics are pretty i'm not naming names or like you know some just because of the lack of lyrics in a pop song like maybe if i was like a rapper and i could really spell it out it'd be like tmi but i think just with my genre i can i can give a little bit of i and not mm-hmm. have not ruined someone's life or something um but yeah I, I i mean i like i like performing that one a lot now but i needed a little confidence boost before i released it Okay, definitely, especially because it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And it's, like you said, very personal, and it's a lot of emotion being put out to the world. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and then flipping the coin, we go to your latest single, something that's not oh, actually yeah. on Stars. That's right. Too Close. Yes. So, like, personally, I get the feeling that the song is that electric moment that energy you feel when you're just near someone and you can feel that there should be something more there could be something more but you just don't want to say something to ruin the moment is am i getting that right or what what is this from your point of view it's element it's tooth it's elements of that but it's so funny that so dan talevsky and i who who wrote the song together we had that we were just talking i don't know how we got on this train about exes and uh we were saying of that talking about that thing when you can tell that someone I guess that those electric relationships but you can sort of tell that an ex still likes you and you know we both had this situation where we had our favorite bar our the person we were dating at the time hated the bar and then after the breakup they would show up but it was you know so they're obviously showing up to see you because they clearly hate the bar that was sort of the the conversation that led into writing this song but yeah it's about two people that as soon as they see each other, they know it's they're going to connect again. They can't, mm-hmm. there's maybe a bad boundary. If you see them and you're drinking, you're going to go home with them. And we just, we just wanted to write like a cute little script. Like uh, of a, we love those kind of like boy girl duets from the early 2000s, like that tell a little story. And we just, yeah. So we kind of wrote it like a script instead of like a song, like a little conversation back and forth mm-hmm. um, based on just the same. I don't know if we date the same person or what, but just like we had the exact same <laughs> memory of just like an ex that kept showing up at this spot. We're like, oh, I guess we're going home with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to avoid those situations, right? Yeah. Because the person shows up and suddenly you go through all the good memories you had with exactly. them. Maybe the and bad ones are gone. The good ones are <laughs> still there. So, yeah, especially in a small town. Like, I think that's a small town thing because there's only, like, one or two bars to go to. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of very hard to avoid someone when there's only one grocery store. Exactly. (laughs) And maybe if we grew up in Toronto, Too Close never would have been written, but 
we grew up in small towns, so. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Dan is also from a small town environment he's, as well. Oh, he's from a very small town in Ontario. I forget what it is, but it's like tiny, like a thousand people or something. Okay. So he definitely knows what Too Close is like. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about the music video for that. Also oh, playing yeah. very with that back and forth element yeah. with not only the black and white lighting, but the way that it portrays both bodies and silhouettes yeah. and back and forth and everything yeah. else. So so funny me and dan yeah. both said to the label like our only rule is we don't want to be in the video we just kept saying that and then someone sent me this uh photography page this guy his handle is visual base but his name is tobias wang and i looked at his instagram and he has these silhouette photos like the color you know and we were like oh my god and we sent him a message and we we're like do you direct videos he was like no and i was like would you so we asked him we we're like just take whatever you're doing photography wise and make a video out of it and he was like well, will you guys be in it? And we're like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just don't want to be in the video. And they're like, okay, now we do. Um, but, you know, we just were a big fan of his work and just sort of gave him, we just said, tell us what to do. Like, we just want this as the video. And it just worked perfectly. He totally got it. He got, like, the, you know, the elements of the song that you and I were just talking about and the silhouettes of, like, you know, they kind of bring you in because you need to look really close to see the expression on someone's face. And, it's that thing like once you're in close again you're hooked and i think it just <laughs> worked with the song perfectly i, I mm-hmm. it's my favorite video that i've ever had so hmm. i love it yeah. yeah once you catch that glisten of someone's eye right yeah you're like, oh, I'm back <laughs> again damn it <laughs> all right so i've been following your social media a little bit coming up here so i i have to ask you're very adamant about uh bed sheets being tucked in yes tucked out untucked yes untucked yeah, yeah i hate when hotels tuck their bed sheets in Mm-hmm. I don't know how other people sleep that way. Just it, feel trapped? I or? feel trapped. I feel like my feet don't work. They have to go sideways or something. <laughs> I was just in um, Victoria, and the promoter called the hotel and got them to untuck my hotel sheets for me. It's still the best thing that's ever happened to me on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just... Well, I stay in hotels, you know, maybe a third of the nights of the year. Like, I stay in a lot of hotels. So it's just that one annoying thing that I come in, I turn the lamp on, I unpack the suitcase, and I'm like, ugh, and I unpull the... And some are harder than others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, important topics. <laughs> Very important I'm like topics. i really into it, yeah. Hey, sometimes these are the things that keep you sane on the road, right? Exactly. Knowing, knowing that the people care about the little things. Exactly. Feels mm-hmm. nice. Like, like it feels like you're at home with a good friend who's untucking your sheets for you. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So with the release of Too Close, does that mean that there's a 2020 release on the horizon or is that just a standalone single? It's just sort of a standalone. I have a few I have some more songs coming out, but I don't know I don't know if they're going to be in an album. Okay. I think I'm just going to Yeah, I have a few songs that I think are just going to be standalones for the next little while. Mm-hmm. I think. Or there'll be a surprise album. (laughs) Awesome. So before I ask my last question of our conversation today, where can the listeners of the podcast find out more about Rhea May? I'm on Instagram a lot. Rhea is awake is my handle. Or, you know, Facebook. I just joined TikTok. I don't know. It's not going very well so far, but I'm going to put more work into that. So follow me on TikTok. But Instagram really is like, you know, I check my DMs on Instagram and I, you know, go back and forth to people there. So that's definitely the place to to find me okay all right so last question as someone who releases music that's very much about finding your voice and finding the strength to sing to carry that voice as far as you possibly can and someone who was very shy at the beginning of things say someone who's listening to this podcast 
is maybe stuck in that situation and is maybe a little afraid. Whatever situation it may be, why they're afraid, right. who knows, right? Everyone right. has its own reason. It's all founded. Right. What could you possibly share with that individual to help them through that moment to gain the bravery to take those mm. steps forward? I think I would say like it's just practice. Like there's no way to practice being brave unless you're doing the thing that makes you nervous. And it just is going to take, like, I think it was like, 50 or 60 shows or open mics before I wasn't like sick to my stomach with nerves. I still get nervous, but mm -hmm. um, I think anything you do, even if it's like, for me, I'm working on like confrontation with people. Like I, you don't get good at it until you do it a bunch. So you can't avoid it. So I think it's the only way through is like a, a lot of people will, will think like, oh, I'm just not naturally good at this, but you can work through it and practice on it and become more confident in whatever you're doing. All right, fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Ria, thank for joining me much. here today. Awesome, thank All you. All right, well, I'll let you get to your sound check here, yes. and I'm also very excited to catch your set later on this evening. Awesome, thanks. See you then. Thank you. And of course, if you're one of our East Coast Canadian listeners, you just might happen to be in luck, because of course, Ria May happens to be on tour in support of her Stars EP right now. If you're listening to this episode the day that it dropped, of course, that being the 28th of November 2019, you can catch Rhea this evening in Toronto, Ontario. The rest of the Stars Tour, of course, maps out like this. On the 29th of November 2019, it is London, Ontario. The 30th, they are making their way to Ottawa. And then in December on the 4th, her Merry Band of Misfits is making its way to St. Catharines. On the 5th, it is Waterloo. The 6th, Kingston. And on the 7th of December, they are making their way on over to Quebec for Montreal. But of course, maybe you're not listening to this episode. Maybe you took a couple of days to tune in. Maybe you missed these tour dates. Or maybe you happen to be one of her listeners over in the Maritimes in Nova Scotia. New Brunswick, maybe even PEI. Well, you just may happen to be in luck because in March, Rhea is going to be hitting these towns on these dates. March 6th, Windsor, Nova Scotia. The 7th, Yarmouth. The 8th, Margaretsville. The 11th, we're going to New Brunswick for Fredericton. Then she's going to Moncton. On the 13th, her and her band are going to Truro, Nova Scotia. And then on the 14th, they're making their way to Summerside, P-E-I. So if you have the opportunity, go and check out the Stars Tour. Of course, you know that you have the chance to go and check out her amazing music videos and her amazing music right now on whatever device you happen to be listening to this episode on. So why don't you go ahead and do that? Maybe even pre-order your tickets to these shows. I also want to go ahead and take a moment to thank a few people involved with this episode, of Rhea being one of them. I also want to take a moment to thank Ainsley, Jen, and Kat for their involvement with this show. Ainsley helped hook things up. Jen being the TM behind the scenes, an incredible one at that. If you have the opportunity, you should definitely look up Jen O'Shea and possibly even consider hiring her if you are a touring musician. And of course, you should also consider hiring Kat as well. She was the tour photographer and she does amazing work. All right, last but not least, I need to thank you, the listeners of the Desert Tiger podcast, for 
tuning in to today's episode of the DTP. Thank you very much. If you are new to the podcast, maybe you want to go ahead and consider following or subscribing to the show on whatever service you listen to. Maybe you want to go ahead and give us a five-star review as that helps the show chart, which helps us get new listeners, which helps us get bigger and better guests. It's a beautiful win-win situation for both of us. And of course, maybe if you liked this episode enough, maybe you want to go ahead and share it with your friends, your family, maybe somebody you think would enjoy the episode, the story of Rhea May. Either way, I would be extremely ecstatic if you decided to do so and heck maybe even tag the desert tiger podcast while you do so as well so that we can show you some love that you so so deserve for your efforts this this is usually about the part of the episode where i tell you guys who's going to be on the desert tiger podcast next week but i think i'm actually going to leave this as a cliffhanger because i haven't decided who i'm going to have as my guest and I might actually do something a little bit different this weekend, a little bit special. So, yeah, you're definitely going to want to tune in for that, I think. We'll catch you next week on the podcast. Until then, stay beautiful, stay wonderful, stay hungry. Go out there, chase your dreams, be a star, shine bright. Bye-bye.